Hello everyone, welcome to Nerd Unscripted. This is your host for the day, Tony Ladding. And let's see where we go today. Um, I'm not quite sure because I my mind is really racing with some of the research that I've been doing It's and connecting dots. It's kind of been interesting, but last week we talked about, or I talked about, um, some of the new reading that I've been doing um, uh, by a guy named Walter Russell and uh, researching a lot of his stuff. And one of the books that I have is called In the Wave Lies the Secret of Creation. And, of course, as I've shared previously, one of my big obsessions is to understand the secrets of the universe and all of that. I don't know why it just, you know, I don't think everybody wakes up and says, you know what? I want to understand the secrets of the universe, but I guess <laughs> I'm one of those weirdos that, that wonder that ever since I was a little kid. And, um, as I mentioned last week, I think my direction for that was really inspired by a documentary that I saw. It might've been an old in search of, um, episode or something but about the uh, coral castle and how that was built and everything and um the uh creator of that had once said that he discovered the secrets of the universe and um, the secrets of egypt and all of that and i think whenever i was watching that i was in my very early teens or something and so it just really inspired me and of course i've shared a lot of the weirdo experiences that i've had since then um last week we got talking about light and the power of light and um one of the things that i've uh that just kind of plugged into the whole equation this week was um last week uh, we were talking about drawing and stuff like that and a couple of you suggested that i get the book drawing on the right side of your or of the brain drawing on the right side of the brain and uh so i ordered it like literally after the show ended and it came in and i've started working through it and the uh the introduction who was kind of long i was surprised but she made some very interesting statements in there that really connected to me in the grand scheme of this research quest that I've been on. Um, certainly from a drawing perspective, but the one thing that really caught my attention was she made a statement about, um, it wasn't so much about drawing as teaching people a new way to see. And of course, as I mentioned last week, that was one of the phrases that's captivated my imagination for years because it's come up in visions and different things like that where I've been told I'm going to teach you a new way to see and you know stuff like that and I I feel like I've experienced that in a lot of respects but then when I'm reading through the introduction of that book and she mentions that specifically I thought okay this is interesting and then she connected drawing to language which of course is another passion of mine studying language and so ultimately the i'm i haven't started the actual drawing exercises that'll be in the next day or so because i'm taking my time 
going through this book and really taking in um, all that she has to share. But what's really interesting uh, to me is she talks about five, uh, five different ways of seeing, uh, kind of like a, a language, if you will, uh, a language of drawing. And, and it's all based on perception. And so she talks about the perception of edges, perception of spaces, perception of relationships, of light and shadow, and then the gestalt or the, the whole and its parts. Okay. And I never really thought about drawing like that before, but I've actually never really thought about perception like that before either, even though perception is one of those things that I talk a lot about and um, have recognized that how we perceive things um, is very, all, uh, very often based upon different kinds of biases that we hold. Um, you know, um, they're referred to as cognitive biases. So things that we hold in our mind that shape how we perceive things. And of course, all of this can get uh, pretty much as woo-woo as you want to get. Um, but setting that aside, it really impacts us on every possible level because of the interconnectedness of everything. And, you know, it applies to business, it applies to relationships, our family, all of that, and obviously to drawing uh, as well. Um, and then I was also, I just started working through a, um, a really comprehensive course on learning ZBrush something that I wanted to learn for a while. And, um, of course, one of the first things out of the guy's mouth, the instructor's mouth, is that everything you see is based upon shapes and how you perceive those shapes and how they interact with each other and all of that and the spaces. And so he starts using a lot of the same language, which is interesting. Maybe he read the book too. I don't know. But um, all of that technical type stuff of course, immediately started connecting some dots that I thought was really curious because then I started thinking, you know, and we've talked on past episodes about all sorts of things from frequency and vibration, which, um, as I've mentioned before, was one of the first things to capture my attention um, back when um, I was with my first mentor, uh, Mr. Hoke, and uh, he shared a lot of things with me. But one of the things that uh, one of the last things he ever said to me was, you know, I realize that I've shared a lot of information for you and a lot of it probably went over your head. But if you don't remember anything else, remember this, that the secret to everything is resonance. And, you know, as an 18 year old, I had no freaking idea what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> You know, I wrote it down in my journal and, uh, you know, I thought that was kind of cool. But uh, beyond that, I just didn't know. And uh, so ever since him saying that, I've really committed to figuring out what it meant. And of course, it has a lot of different meanings. You know, and the more I dig into all of these weirdo interests that I have from um, vibration and light and um, 
math and all of those kinds of things, language, what I'm realizing is that it's all the same. It's all the same thing. It's just expressed in a lot of different ways. And so you have things like sacred geometry, okay, that shows up in nature all over the place, from the golden mean spiral to um, all the various shapes like hexagons and um, all of that, you know, that we see in everything from uh, beehives, you know, the honeycombs to nautilus shells to sunflowers and pine cones. We see Fibonacci sequences and how trees grow and, you know, um, all of that kind of stuff. It's just kind of crazy that it's there, this geometry, which is made up of shapes. And then you bring in topics like um, somatics, which is the study of um, shapes based upon vibration. Right, Marxists don't forget fractals. Exactly, fractals are a huge part of it as well. Um, we see them everywhere in, in nature. So somatics is vibration, right? So um, the study of shapes that are caused by vibration and frequency. And of course, everything, because it's energetic, has a frequency. So even light has a frequency, all of it has a frequency. Our bodies, every cell in it at the atomic level has frequency. And um, so, you know, I think about, um, you know, they've photographed like uh, snowflakes and all of that, and they fall down from the sky and you see um, uh, that some of the shapes that have been photographed in snowflakes and how they're all unique and all of that. You start studying them and you realize that a lot of it's sacred geometry. You know, a lot of those patterns are sacred geometry. And, um, and there are also many, in many cases, the same kind of patterns that you see, um, in the study of somatics, you know, whenever you start tuning in specific frequencies to a plate of salt or liquid or something like that. And so then it kind of begs the question, well, in a snowfall, what's the song, you know, what's the sounds if it's really there? Is it words? Is it music? Is it something completely different? And so um, and then you take all of that and transition it back to the formation of language and how it's all based upon perception of what we see, shapes. Like, why is it that everything that we see, like everybody sees a sphere and they refer to it as a sphere, you know? Um, it, the symbolism behind it all is very universal in a lot of respects. And you can trace uh, uh, all of it back to everything that we do from how we see light how we perceive sound how we perceive shapes so over the last week my brain's been kind of in this almost overload perspective because it's all coming together in a way that um universally makes sense now how to take all of that uh, which each of those topics in and of itself could be, you know, several weeks of discussion, and maybe it will be, who knows. Um, but how to take all of that and filter it into what's going on in the world around us today? You know, therein is the big question. Like, it's one thing to look at sacred geometry or somatics or, um, you know, some of those other studies, uh, ancient symbols and all of that. Um, 
language in its, you know, proto-state. But, I mean, is it anything other than just a fun study? You know, like, I'm, I'm obsessed with a lot of that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to ask the question, you know, is it going to make my life better? And is it going to help me make more money in my business? Um, am I going to have better relationships with my kids? <laughs> you know, like, does it matter at all? Or is it just some really cool badass stuff that God or aliens, you know, took the time to throw in just to keep us on our toes? And one of the conclusions that I've really come to so far in all of this, and I'm still kind of forming my opinion. I mean, I've, I've really been an, an introspective guy for as long as I can remember. And just, you know, personal growth and all of those kinds of things. But one of the things that I'm realizing is that if vibration is creating specific shapes, sacred geometries, those kinds of things, and the world around us is built upon these, you know, these core ways of perceiving things, you know, through shapes and shadows and relationships and all of that. And if um, all of that data input is shaping what we believe, who we are, all of that, then we absolutely have to pay attention to it. We can't dismiss it. And I think that it's a mistake to think otherwise. It's one of the reasons why, you know, we look at the mystics and we look at you know, secret societies and some of the weird things that they've done and use symbolically and everything. We think, well, why on the world did they put a pyramid on this or that? Or, you know, what, what's the big deal? But I have to believe that they, you know, like alchemists, you know, if you look at alchemical symbols and stuff, it's like, it's just a bunch of shapes all drawn together. Like, how could that possibly have any power to it? You know, but yet, we look at nature and we find crystals that have very specific, unique shapes that we can directly tie to specific frequencies or associate with certain color temperatures based on those frequencies or certain notes on a piano based on those frequencies. And you can't look at that stuff and think, what the fuck is going on? Pardon my French. What the hell's going on here? Like, it's literally embedded in the tapestry of who we are. And I think one of the reasons why we haven't figured out how to allow it to affect our lives more than we have is because we don't understand the language. You know, we don't understand what's already there. We're looking at surface things, and I'm not talking about, you know, going down some deep weirdo rabbit hole that's going to get you committed necessarily but maybe we all need to go down that rabbit hole you know who knows because one thing that i have discovered and this is this is as real as it gets the more you keep your head in the sand the more you're clueless you know and i'm sorry but i'm just not willing to go through life with the status quo doing what I'm told, and not asking questions. You know, 
that to me is the epitome of control. And I'm not a big fan of being controlled, um, you know, by the powers that be. I want to understand why this wonderful world that we live in was created the way it was. It's like clues are everywhere. All you have to do is pay attention for half a second and the clues are there, you know. And not only that, they're there in spades. You know, you look, you listen to music and music affects us, positive or negative. It's one of the things I've realized, um, which is not a <laughs> saying that much because, you know, you can pretty, anybody can pretty much figure that out pretty quickly. But you think about the music and the sounds and how there's certain sounds that just impact us in some very specific ways. Um, and there's lots of studies that support that. And then there's light, like we were talking about some last week, where, you know, how light manifests itself in the colors of the rainbow, you know, and now anymore we have, you know, the rainbow being associated exclusively with certain things that it shouldn't be associated with. Okay. Um, but everything that we see is based on how it absorbs or reflects light. And so that gives it shape, it gives it form, it gives it color, and all of that. But at the end of the day, it's still frequency. You know, and so we just talk and talk and talk and don't think anything of it. And we write stuff down and we don't think anything of the letters that we're scrolling down on our thing. Or we see something out in nature and we're drawing a picture of it. And we're like, okay, well, that rock kind of looks like a combination of a sphere and a cube. So I'm just going to kind of draw that together. And we don't think anything of it. You know, uh, but in reality, it's all, it's like we're asleep in a lot of respects, kind of going through motions. And it, a lot of people have said this, so I'm not unique in making this statement, but it's time we all wake the hell up and recognize what's going on with this planet and get aligned with the program of what is being spoken to us on a daily basis rather than um, keeping our heads in the sand. You know, because it's all connected in one form or another. Yeah, and William says, since everything is interconnected, it makes sense that there are common course across the different realms of life. Exactly. And uh, he also says, let's not forget the perception also has a psychological frame of reference as well as physical. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, like one of the questions that I've often pondered, and I think I mentioned this in a, in a previous show, I forget, is, and it's just one of those weird, silly things, you know, if, you know, the observation has often been made that whenever we speak, that there's power in those words, you know, and last week I mentioned about how scripture says that God said, let there be light, and there was light. And, I mean, I grew up in a Christian household, um, charismatic, and so I was taught that there's power in your words. And it actually just makes sense, even on a scientific level. It makes sense because of the vibration. Um, but it also has power in other ways. You know, they say sticks and stones um, will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. The contrary is true. It's the sticks and stones that will definitely break your bones, but words can cripple you, you know, or make you sore. And so I've often thought about, well, if there's power in words, 
and that's one of the reasons why uh, every so often I'll use is like a, like a username. There's this Cherokee word called Kanecha. Um, K-A-N-E-T-S-V. Kanecha. Because uh, T-S-V is pronounced like C-H. And the best translation that they can do of Kanecha is power word. Because the Cherokee believe that there's power in words. Like this inherent power. And so as soon as I saw that word, it's, it was just one of those that I adopted you know, 15 years ago. And, um, and so my thought was, well, if there's power in words, and so I speak a certain word in English, but a Cherokee speaker speaks the same equivalent of that word in Cherokee, and somebody, you know, in India speaks it in their language and all around the world. Is the power that comes from them speaking that word the same? Or is it different? Because if you think about it from a vibrational perspective, me saying the word power, we'll just use that. Me saying the word power is going to have a specific frequency to it because I'm speaking it in this language versus the word for power in Italian or in, you know, some other language. And is if I, if I, as an English speaker, say the word power in German, which I don't know what it is, I'm just making this up as I go along. Um, but if I, as an English speaker, say the word power in German, will it have the same uh, impact as a native German speaker would saying power? Okay. It may or may not. Who knows? Um, next one. If I think the word power, does it have the same impact? impact as me speaking it. If I have a dream where I dream of me saying the word power, is it the same as me thinking it or actually speaking it? You know, so just weird things like that that I often think about. But I think it's valid because we all dream. You know, we all remember things, conversations, things like that. We, we uh, Very often we learn, maybe not full lang other languages, but there's certainly certain words that we adopt. And then there's, of course, different languages in the world. Um, some that are still alive today, and then there's some that are dead. Um, and so, like, if I say power, and it's translated as power in all the other languages, is how people perceive that word power, is it the same? Or does it mean something different? You know, because we look at language and we see how different, you know, different languages are obviously different. Um, and a lot of them evolve out of just a couple, um, like Indo-European Proto and stuff like that, or Proto-Indo-European, I guess it's actually called, and some other languages like that. Um, and it's fascinating to me to think about how those languages came to, uh, to be in relation to all the other stuff that we're talking about. You know, like they often refer to, um, to mom or mama as ma because it's one of the first things that a child speaks. Well, you know, what if the first, like as a child is 
forming as an infant? What if their natural inclination for um, the very first thing that they're able to to form with their mouth isn't ma? What if it's poo? <laughs> you know, does that mean that we would no longer have the word mother related to our mother? It would be something that starts with poo. <laughs> I mean, it's a silly example, but, you know, you have to look at um, the interconnectedness of these perceptions. You know, we take it all for granted. But in reality, there's reasons why. Sometimes those reasons are lost and we just don't know. We just kind of take it for granted. Like one of my favorite studies that I've done was um, the origins of the Hebrew language and how it evolved over time through uh, symbols and how those symbols later later translated into the actual Hebrew alphabet. It's a really fascinating study, and it, it shows you um, the evolution of, of all of it. But by the same token, whenever you look at the, um, the in, initial pictures, those symbols that later evolved into the Hebrew written language, what is it? They're shapes, you know, they're made up of different shapes and everything. And so now, you know, I don't speak Hebrew, but, you know, you speak Hebrew or you write it out or whatever, and you just think, oh, well, they're talking, you know, obviously they're using Hebrew because, you know, and we don't even think about it. But in reality, we're putting vibration out there constantly while we're talking. We're just boom, boom, boom. As we're thinking, we're putting vibration out there constantly. And if there really is anything to vibration causing shapes and um, all of that kind of stuff, you know, I guess there really could be something to us creating our, our reality, right? So maybe there really is power in words because the vibrations are affecting everything around us. Um, maybe, you know, I think it's a pretty good argument to that effect. Uh, Carolyn says, I had the pleasure, great pleasure to study for two years with Randall Carlson for Sacred Geometry International. Oh, cool. That would be a very interesting study. Um, and William asks, does vibration create shape or do shapes create a specific vibration based on the energy contained within the shape? See, that's a great question. Um, because I, it could go both ways or maybe not. I've been reading some different studies that talk about that exact thing and how it relates to music, um, like specific notes or uh, frequencies based on hertz and how those hertz affect us physiologically, but also, um, you know, with tied to somatics and some different things, how it cre uh, creates certain shapes. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, Caroline said, or Caroline says, I like your thinking similar to mine on the topic. How does it impact my day-to-day -day life? I have needed to know about the substrate of uh, to our existence. I've always felt from an early age that everything is connected. Yeah. And I think to me that's um, <clears throat> where it, what it ultimately comes down to. 
Um, and Carolyn also says, I spent 15 years with the large Dowsers group in Atlanta, incredible education. We had speakers come in from all over the world, all kinds of woo-woo and scientific topics. Yeah, um, that's a fun conversation for another day. And I know Mark has done some experimenting with <coughs> crystal dowsing and stuff like that. So he could jump in and share some interesting things on that topic as well, I think. I've not really done much with crystal dowsing, but I've done with um, like copper rods and stuff like that. It's pretty fascinating, like using dowsing for yes and no questions. And I mean, yeah, to find water and stuff, that's fun. But like yes and no questions. Um, William says, uh, future request on a future show. Would you speak more to your thinking about why the powers to be don't want us to be more conversant in and practicing new thought philosophy? I forgot to ask this last week when you mentioned it. Um, yeah, I'll definitely talk about that. That'd be a good conversation. I mean, the short answer to me ultimately comes down to unity. The absolute worst thing that could ever happen is that we all end up on the same page. Um, because people who are unified can't be controlled. You know, and so if you have powers that be wanting to keep their powers, um, you have to be able to control the people. And so there's some very specific psychological ways of doing that and divisive ways of doing that. And the last thing that they would ever want is for us to all be in agreement. But yeah, we can talk about that. That'd be a heck of a fun discussion. Carolyn says, power in words. Supposedly the original Sanskrit was based on the vibration representing the thing. Um, yeah, I've read that too. And the same is true with other languages. Whenever you study certain languages, um, I've shared before about uh, several of the Native American languages that are based um, on sound. Like in some cases, uh, certain words, like certain words for trees, uh, types of trees is based upon the sound that the, the leaves of the trees make when wind blows through them. Um, and then uh, I remember reading a while back, I, forget, I think it was a Micmacs, um, they had a, an ancient word in their language that didn't have a meaning, and they were trying to figure out the meaning, and it was a very harsh-sounding word. And so the elders um, traveled to their roots, like where the tribe, according to their legends, came from, uh, which was up north um, toward the Arctic. And what they discovered was that it was actually a word that and entered their language from the end of the Ice Age because it was based upon the sound that the uh, glaciers made in receding, like scraping across the rock while they were receding, that the sound was related to that, or the word was related to that sound, which is incredibly fascinating. And there's, there's like a, a tribe in Argentina that their entire language is based upon... Um, sounds from nature you know and i mean language is incredibly fascinating to me especially like languages that are verb-based rather than noun-based like ours is um you know everything is verb-based which means it's very dynamic and living 
um, and much more expressive energetically than what noun verb noun is for us. But it's fascinating. Uh, William says, I would think there would be a difference in power as the vibration of the word power. A word power will be filtered via the person speaking the word. The power of the word uh, would be perceived differently based on the filters of the person hearing it. Potentially, um, but that's kind of like, I mean, doesn't that kind of go back to the argument a little bit that if a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, you know, that kind of thing, um, did it really happen? Um, <laughs> I mean, now you're kind of digging into reality quite a bit, but it, I agree that um, filters definitely have to have an impact, but what if you're speaking into a vacuum? You know, then it would come down to your own perceptions, wouldn't it? You know, how you personally perceive like that. And that's kind of the one thing that I've often wondered, um, you know, because you see people in all scenarios, you know, from extremely wealthy and happy to extremely wealthy and unhappy to people who are poor but healthy, um, poor, unhealthy, like all of those different scenarios that people are in in one form or another. And it's real easy to place blame and say, oh, well, they're this way because of X. Um, and there could be a little bit of truth to that. But if you have somebody who's homeless and living on the streets of L.A. and they speak a word versus a mover and shaker who's the president of a Fortune 50 company and they use the same words, does they have the same impact or not if they're speaking it aloud by themselves in a room? You know, and... According to some discussions, the argument would be, yeah, uh, energy is energy, vibration is vibration, so it should have the same impact, but yet it doesn't. Why is that? Is, is it simply a matter of belief? You know? Like if I choose, uh, you know, to decide that one, one way or another things are just going to work out, and I say that to that effect, Somebody else says it, but they don't believe it. And then it works out for me and it doesn't work out for them. Did the words mean nothing or did it ultimately come down to belief? And did the words have any impact on our beliefs? I mean, it can get really convoluted at times if you think about it. Um, and so that's why I like talking about it, because it's, it can go down so many different paths. Yeah, and Kathleen um, mentions, but not without intent. The word has to be backed by your intent. And I think that's really what I've realized uh, as well, is that, you know, if we are indeed creating our reality and the reality is being spun out through all these different things, like frequency and resonance and, you know, shapes and all of that kind of stuff, the, is it the intent? that is actually uh, the intent behind the words that is actually doing the work, not the words so much themselves. So that brings up a different question that just popped into my mind. Um, I mean, this is nerd unscripted. We can say whatever the heck we want, I guess. But um, so one question that just popped into my mind was, 
What if our intent is in the right place, but the words are out of alignment? Does that sidetrack anything? So we're feeling positive, we're thinking positive, we're in a really good mood and in a place of gratitude, and then out of our mouth comes, you know what? I'm feeling feeling really good about everything. I think we're going to (laughs) fail. But my intent is in the right place, but my words aren't aligned. You know, so does that count or does it mean nothing? Or do we know better if our intent is in the right place that we would never speak words like that? You know, does it cancel out the idea of speaking, you know, what we would maybe refer to as stupid words? You know, don't talk like that. I remember growing up, there were certain, uh, (laughs) my dad went through this thing. Uh, years and years ago, because as I mentioned um, previously, I grew up in uh, in a very uh, spiritually dynamic household. I guess you can put it that way. Um, and so there were a lot of uh, charismatic teachers that we listened to on a regular basis, like um, Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland and different ones like that. And so, and of course, a lot of what they taught was about power in your words and those kinds of things, except purely from a Christian perspective. So I had a lot of those influences. And I remember my dad for quite a while um, got on his thing about, you know how sometimes whenever you uh, have been talking to somebody or spending time with them and then you're getting ready to leave and you say, take care. Um, <laughs> My dad would never say that just because he thought that you were telling them to take the cares of the world and, you know, all of the horrible things that can happen to us. So he would never say that. And I always thought it was stupid. You know, it's like, whatever, you know. Um, But it kind of speaks to what you were saying, Kathleen, about intent versus not intent. You know, can I just say take care? Because for me, I'm intending that as a good greeting or good, you know, goodbye, you know, I'm expressing, um, not concern, but I'm expressing that I care, you know, so I'm, to me, I'm not saying take the cares of the world. I'm saying, take my care with you, you know, my appreciation, my love, whatever. Um, but to dad, it was a negative, you know, no thanks. <laughs> you tell dad to say, you know, well, take care. See you later. And he's like, no, thank you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's just a silly, silly, interesting thing. Oh, I will check that out. Um, Carolyn, she mentions about um, uh, Marcel Vogel who was an IBM scientist and became interested in consciousness and crystals. Uh, Carolyn says the CEO is embedded in a network of connections that are affected. Even if they are not present in the room, the homeless man has few and not powerful connections. I think this will make a difference. Yeah, perhaps.
Um, Kathleen says, uh, onomatopoeia. I've heard that word before. And she shared the definition, uh, the formation of words whose sound is imitative or of the sound of the noise or action designated, such as hiss, buzz, or bang, the use of such words for poetic or rhetorical effect. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't actually realize that that's what that word meant. I've heard that word, but I didn't realize that it was actually connected to that. So thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. Yeah, one of the things that, that's very interesting, too, to me, along with that, is um, in studying language, are the uh, languages that are syllable-based. Um, because, of course, the syllables are based upon sounds, whereas, um, and then you put them together to create words. Cherokee is a good example of that, as opposed to, like, English and a lot of the other Languages where words are built on individual letters that are combined. And ultimately, those combinations create syllables, but the language isn't based on the syllables. And so, as a result, you're making specific sounds that are combined together to form words, quote-unquote. But yet, you know, Cherokee spoke Cherokee for however long they did, way before they actually had a written language. Um, and so then that begs to, you know, another question to me is that if language is representative of who we are and what we believe and what we're creating based on vibration and all of that, um, does the written language have anything to do with it? You know, so back to our earlier discussion, you know, with the word power, me speaking it, is that the same as me writing it? You know? Um, or you reading the word power, is it the same? Um, and so I think we've established that some of it definitely goes to intent and to connections and all of that. Um, but there has to be connections to it based on worldview, based on, uh, like we were saying earlier, cognitive dissonance, dissonance, our perceptions, those kinds of things. Yeah, I agree with you, Kathleen. She says, uh, to me, it means take care of yourself. Exactly. <laughs> Liz says, that's a crack up. Take care. No, thanks. Yeah, that's how I perceived it too, um, Irene, is take care of themselves, just like um, the others have said. Kathleen says, much of English is derived from other languages. They used to be, they used to teach us that words must be divided, hyphenated, only between the root syllables, not phonetically as we tend to do now. Yeah, one of the things that got me interested in all of that years ago, I was reading along some book, I don't even remember, Minding My Own Business, and this thought came to me of looking up the uh, etymology, like just to pick a random sentence in whatever I, I was reading and look up the etymology of every word in that sentence. And so I always like a good challenge and 
so I did it and um, what I discovered just fascinated the daylights out of me because of course, as you mentioned, much of English is derived from other languages. And I did one sentence and then I did another sentence, then I did another sentence and I ended up doing like almost an entire paragraph. And what I discovered was that uh, within the English language, like if you really get back to the root of the words and you study when the words were introduced into the language, you can literally see the conquest of Europe um, just in the English language based upon the, the word etymologies and the period of time when those words appeared. Like you can see the influx of the different uh, cultures and everything that came in and overran Europe at different times. And this one was in power here and this one was in power then and all of that. It's all there just based upon a language. And so that's what literally got me started um, in studying language. And then I found um, books uh, by folks like Benjamin Lee Worf and other ones like that that just, you know, trip me so that I could fall down the rabbit hole. <laughs> so one of the things that I'm really... looking forward to getting into um, in reading this book that several of you uh, suggested last week. Thank you very much for that, by the way. Uh, it's funny, Kristen, after I got it in, Kristen said, I didn't know that was the book you were talking about. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? She's like, I read that book in college. I probably still have a copy of it here somewhere, an older version. And uh, I had never read it. You know, but it's fascinating to me. And I probably latch on to certain things a little bit differently than others just because of my own influences, like we were talking about earlier. Um, and so the one thing that I'm really curious to see how, as I read through the book, I'm going very slowly and doing all the exercises and all of that. Although, you know, the initial drawings that you have to do before you really get into her ideas behind the different perceptions. Um, Lord knows how these are going to look. You know, the one that I find the most challenging that I haven't done yet is um, draw a picture of somebody from memory. I found, um, I haven't done it yet. I haven't done any of the drawings yet. That's, I'm right up to where it's time to start drawing. And so in the next day or so, I'm going to be doing that. But like just even the thought of that scares the daylights out of me for whatever reason, because, um, like I, you know, I thought about my dad drawing him from memory or my mom or somebody like that. Um, I mean, these are folks that I've grown up with, you know, dad has been passed for 10 years now, but like, I'm really, I'm really intrigued by this one. I understand it. And I love the concepts that she has behind doing certain drawings in certain ways to kick your left brain out of gear, which I'm, I often say that I'm very right brain, but I'm pretty heavily left brain as well. As evidenced by today's discussion, I think. Um, so I'm really, really curious uh, getting into this just to see, because some of the side-by-side -side case studies that she shares um, that other students have gone through are startling. 
I mean, they're just really crazy and amazing. So, um, so my big curiosity beyond the drawing part really more is how these five perceptions that she talks about applies in other areas. Cause you know, that's where my brain's going to go with it is okay. So perception of edges, spaces, relationships, light and shadow. So how can I apply that to every other area of my life, you know, <laughs> and see how it all plays out. So it's going to be a, a really fun experiment. Uh, Kathleen says there is a fabulous book probably out of print now called the mother tongue by Lancelot Hogben. What an awesome name. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, that teaches how all the European languages are related and how to decipher languages you don't even speak. Really cool if you can find it. Well, you know, I'm going to have to now. I should just ask you for a complete, um, a complete recommended list of reading, Kathleen, because you come up with some really good ones. Several of you do. Uh, let's Lancelot Hogben. Man, that's a name. I always keep a notebook right next to my microphone. You never know. Yeah, I agree with you, Liz, about attorneys fooling you with words. Yep. Mark says, some say, pun intended, that high vibrational words show their power only when spoken or heard and reciting them gives you a vibrational lift. I think I picked up that in a book called Power Versus Force. I think I've read that. That sounds really familiar. Carolyn says, don't draw an emotionally charged image as your first one and draw someone you remember who is emotionally neutral to you. It's a good idea, actually. That makes a lot of sense. Any other comments or thoughts or anything that you'd like to share? We've been kind of all over the place today, but um, by the same token... I'm suspicious that it's all connected in one form or another anyway. So, hey. <laughs> Mark says, I'm stoked for your drawing journey. Discard your expectation. Yeah, I'm really trying to approach it that way. Um, I'm approaching it from just a desire to experience it for the, you know, for the sake of experience. Yeah, so today is Kristen's and my third anniversary. It's like um, somebody figured out how to take about 18 years and compress them into three. <laughs> That's kind of what I feel like. Um, not that it, I don't mean that from a negative perspective at all. It's just that 
we get a lot of stuff done. And so because of all of that, it just feels like it's been a really long time instead of three short years. So um, we're kind of taking a day off after uh, Nerd Unscripted here. And just going to hang out and not work. And hopefully not invent any new businesses along the way, which we have this tendency to do. Um, so it's going to be a fun day. Um, Irene says, happy anniversary. Thank you. Yeah, it was funny. I didn't even realize that that's where we were, like that it was today. Because <laughs> I don't, you know, you get so caught up in all this, this stuff, the busy and um thank god for facebook <laughs> i guess because yesterday uh in my stream of memories which i don't often check but i did yesterday because the one teaser image that they had was this gorgeous sun uh sunset i'm like when did i take that and uh so i opened up my memories and it, i had taken a couple pictures of the sunset and then it showed a picture that I had taken at Secrets in Ocean City, Maryland. Really cool bar down there. And I'm like, we were at Secrets a couple of years ago. And then um, there was another picture with um, uh, Natalie and Lee Collins and John Rhodes. And I forget who else was in the picture. And I'm like... When were we hanging out with those guys in Ocean City, Maryland? Like, it just wasn't clicking at all. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, holy crap. Tomorrow's my anniversary. <laughs> it's like it finally sunk in. Like, oh, right. They came for the wedding. And that was the night before. And yeah, it all came together then. I can be really dense sometimes. But at least I remembered. Mark says that 18 to three ratio is totally you guys. Yeah, definitely. I, it's like, I don't even know what like normal life would be like. I'm, I'm suspicious that normal's overrated anyway, but you know, Kathleen says, if anyone thinks they can't draw, read the books of Danny Gregory and join his Everyday Matters Yahoo group. I'll watch people in their progress from not being able to draw at all to being wonderful sketchers. The group is still going. Used to share sketches and be very supportive of all participants. Yeah, I'll check that out. I'll write that down. I mean, for me, I, I will just say this in closing. One of the reasons why I'm on this particular journey and why I appreciate the suggestion of the books and stuff is that one of the frustrating things I've always had is that I'm always very curious, creative, imaginative, all of that kind of stuff. And But I've also been the type of person that, like, I'm very visual. And so... Uh, even when I'm creating courses and stuff like that, the very first thing I do is create the graphics because to me, it sets the tone and it's been frustrating to me, um, somewhat, um, in working through my interpersonal BS, uh, in not being able to effectively communicate visually 
what I see in my mind's eye. Because like a lot of the insights that I get, you know, call them prophetic, call them insights, call them your gut feeling, whatever you want to call them, have always been pictures. You know, and so then I just describe the pictures that I'm seeing. I mean, I do that sometimes when I'm teaching webinars. Oh, a thought just popped into my mind, so I thought I would share it. That's actually not true. A picture popped into my mind, and I'm just describing the picture. That's all I've ever done. And so, but I've had a hard time, um, like, getting that out of my head in a way that was meaningful. The only thing that has come close is photography because, you know, my moniker for that was um, capturing moments the way you remember them, which, of course, is subjective. So it's really about how I remember them. Um, but I've just not been able to do that. So um, conceptually, I felt a little bit handicapped. But later, I realized that it was just my own belief systems that was actually stopping me more than skill or anything. Um, so I'm glad to be moving past that hump, uh, because there's some stories that I really have wanted to write, but I felt like I couldn't start, uh, in some respects, which I recognize this as an excuse. I'll just put that out there, uh, because I couldn't visualize it onto paper, you know, like what certain characters look like and all of that. So I'm glad to be, uh, finally moving past all that crazy. Um, Jess says, congratulations, wish you both the very best and enjoy yourselves. Thanks. Appreciate that. Mark says, happy anniversary. Do something spontaneous. Um, that's often how life runs for us. I mean, we have a couple basic plans, I think, for the day. Um, there's this massive... Uh, stained glass place in Frederick, Maryland that Kristen wants to go to. They have room after room of glass. We've only ever been there once and it's insane. Like I got excited and I don't do stained glass. Um, just thousands of pieces of glass of all kinds and colors and everything. It's crazy. Kathleen says you're building your own that Sangha? I'm not sure I know that word. But I'll look it up. <laughs> oh, Sangha. Gotcha. All right. Well, I appreciate all of you. Um, more than you know. I, I'm really glad that we're doing Nerd Unscripted again. I needed the break for the summer, for sure. Um, but it's fun to be back again and interacting with all of you. I really appreciate it. And so, until next week, I hope you enjoy your uh, the rest of your week this week. And we will talk again soon. <laughs>